0: So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 286 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Martin Scher. Martin lives in Birmingham, Alabama, where he is a retired CEO, and he's been retired for 15 years, and now he's taken his interests in other directions, which brings him here. Welcome, Martin.
1: Thank you, Jen. It's great to finally meet you. I've been listening to you forever.
0: I love it. I love being able to do the podcast and the one that I did with Melanie Avalon for so long, the intermittent fasting podcast, the one I do with Sherry now, Life Lessons. And so I was just like kind of thinking about that the other day. There's a lot of Jim Stevens out in the world. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there really are. I remember looking them up. But you've changed my life and uh, I really appreciate it. It's sort of like getting the golden ticket on, from Willy Wonka. I don't know if you ever saw that or not. But oh,
0: yeah. We just watched that. that recently over the holidays. We rewatched that, the original, and it was great. My
1: daughter's addicted to it. She can say the movie, you know, just out loud ever since she was a little kid.
0: I can do it more than you would think. Yeah, I was annoying Chad and Will when we were watching it by like, oh, they're going to say this. They're like, stop. I'm like, okay, fine. (laughs) Well, you know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that?
1: Okay, I'm 71 years old. I don't know how much to tell about what, but I have a long story.
0: Well, we love hearing the backstory too.
1: Okay, well... I learned about it in Port St. Joe, Florida. We go to Cape Sandblast every year, our family, for the last 15 years with my kids and everything. And we have a great time kind of doing nothing. It's kind of like a Seinfeld episode. It's a story about nothing. We go there and do nothing together because they're all busy people, and we just have a great time doing nothing. So one day on one of my figuring out what to do days, me and my wife went to Port St. Joe, which is near Cape San Blas. It's about 20 minutes away. We're just walking in and out of the stores and we go to this one store. It has a circular, like, like an old-fashioned 50s book holder or something. It was silver and it, you could spin it around. That's all the books they had. And so I, I didn't know what to look at in the store, a bunch of knickknacks. I wasn't interested, so, but I am interested in books. So I flipped it around and I saw Fast Feast Repeat.
0: I love that.
1: Yes, it was one of the few, I guess there were 20 books on the thing and that's what they had on there. And so uh, I said, this is cool because I have a hobby of, you know, reading bad books. I've been doing this stuff all my life and self-help and trying to help my employees be better people and help them fulfill their potential. So I'm just always all over that kind of stuff, but really interested in dieting, obviously. So I took that book home. And I think I read it in three or four hours sitting on the deck, looking at the ocean. And I was like, just so excited because, uh, you know, I spent 15 years writing my own plan after I retired. You know, that's what I did with my time. i decided said I was going to finally lose weight. And if I'd only known about intermittent fasting before, then I'd have saved myself a lot of trouble and lost the weight probably in one year rather than 10 years.
0: Wow. So that's so interesting. When you retired, you you had been a CEO. So you're used to like finding a problem, solving the problem, right, getting results. right. And so like me, I was a teacher used to finding the problem, solving the problem, getting results. So to be struggling with our weight was like, how can we be good at everything else and have trouble with this? Right.
1: That's exactly right. Because I was I spent my whole life from 22 years old. My father died and I'd been running the business since I was 22 with my brother, David. I had a lot of responsibility. I had 40 or 50 employees at the time when I started and I'm much younger than all of them, you know, and I worked really hard in the business because I felt like my family depended on me and they depended on me. So I got so involved in my business. I never really worried about self-care that much. It was so nice to retire. And I said, I'm, you know, "I've, I've been struggling with my weight all my life. Not terrible. It's not, hadn't been a problem to me and it's I just really got frustrated that I've gone all these years and couldn't lose the weight permanently. I was on all kinds of diets and would lose weight here and there, but I I couldn't do it. So finally, when I was retired, I said, I'm going to do something about this, and this is what I'm going to spend my time on. And that's what I did. I got on the scale.
0: Did you start researching? Did you just start looking for and start finding? Like, how did you figure out what you were going to do?
1: Oh, it's so easy because I'd been... I have a hobby of self-help. You know, I've read every self-help book I could ever get my hand on. I keep files on this diet stuff because I'm so interested. I uh, file away all my diet tricks. I have something I call a trillion tiny tricks, and I throw in stuff in there for years. So I just had all the information. I've been on diets. I knew exactly what to do, just like all the people that you were on your show, you know, they all know what to do. It's just a matter of doing it or not. So I had the time. I had something called my CEO meeting that I had every morning when I was in business because I realized that I needed an hour in the day just to figure out what I'm going to do that's the most important thing that day. And I did that for thirty five years, and I you know it didn't let anybody disturb me or anything because if, if I wasn't going to figure out how to run the business, nobody's going to do that for me. I just carried that in when I was retired. I kept that time. Instead of being the CEO meeting, it was the chief eating officer meeting.
0: (laughs) That's so funny.
1: Right. And I spent my time just thinking about everything. I I did it on really the trip, Cape Sandblast trip, my first one 15 years earlier. And that's when I got on the scale and I hit my highest weight ever. I would like pulled my hamstring on the beach playing beach football. We had all gotten down there, and uh, you know, I'm 57 years old at the time. Somebody says, go for a pass, and I did, and I face-planted. My hamstring <laughs> uh, kind of popped, and then uh, they threw me in the hot tub, and you know, I, was, I had sand all over me, and then they had a big dinner that night, and I was obviously a little bit upset and looking for a little comfort, so I pigged out really bad that night. My daughter made uh, spinach dip, I remember. We had steaks and smothered potatoes. And I think I ate two Nutty Buddies before I had pecan pie that they were warming up. Oh, wow. I get up the next morning and the highest weight I'd ever weighed was 228. And I weighed like 234.6. It's you know, crazy, whatever I did. And so I jumped off the scale and I said, this is it. This is my irrevocable commitment to losing weight. I called it an irrevocable commitment in my mind, not just a commitment because I've made commitments before. When I weighed 234.6, I saw it actually. I know for people that weigh a lot, sometimes scales can be funny. I thought the floor maybe wasn't flat. I rearranged the batteries in there and everything. And I got back on again and it said 234.6. So
0: uh, we've all done those tricks, right? <laughs> You're like, I think I just stood on that wrong. And so you get off, take a few breaths get on it again. And like, God help you, if it's a little higher the second time, I mean, I don't miss those tricks. Yeah. Like maybe I didn't go to the bathroom enough. Let me try that again. I mean,
1: Hey, wait, I think I did try that at the time, but that didn't didn't work either. But anyway, (laughs) I was really disgusted with myself. I said, I can run a business, but I can't get thin. That really upset me. I said, it isn't that it's a problem to me. I just, I was 40 pounds overweight which I gained like a pound a year on average for 40 years as I was a CEO. I was on diets and I went up and down and all around, but that was the bottom line. And, and if you gain 40 pounds in 40 years, that's just 3,500 calories a year that you're off kilter on. And I, the way I manage my weight is I out, tried to out-exercise. In the middle of the day, i go play basketball twice a day when I was working, once at lunch and once at night. And I ran and I played tennis and, you know, I was, did a lot of athletic stuff in my life. I almost could get enough exercise in, but I didn't buy about 3,500 calories a year.
0: Well, and, you know, really, I know, I know you read the part of Fast Feast Repeat where I talk about the problem with calories. We can try so hard to control calories in and calories out. You know, like you were trying to work it off, exercise it out. But our body adapts and does weird things. And that's the part that's like I figured out going through menopause, you know, and I've shared this before, my body changed and like suddenly the calories outside is doing something different, right? So you're like, ooh, I have to do, do some changing here. And as we grow older and lose muscle mass, for example, if, if, if that happens, it also happens on the other side of menopause for a lot of people. So we have to be more proactive with that. But it's really hard. I mean, like you just said, a pound a year, you can't do that math calculation and be on top of it I don't know if I'm explaining that well your body does what it does you might think you're controlling calories in and calories out but your body does something you weren't expecting
1: right let me tell you what I did because I'm kind of a nut with numbers and I measure every single thing like in business and everything during that hour I kept up with all these numbers
0: so you're an accountant by trade is that right
1: no, no, I'm a marketing man.
0: Okay, <laughs> okay, so, okay, okay.
1: You know, my father was great with numbers. I must have inherited it from him or something. But I, I measure everything, and always had my entire life. I love numbers. You know, it's like you can't watch a football game if you don't know the score. And I, you know, that's how I was with every part of my life. But I came up with something that I called my nutrition score because when I was in that hour meeting with myself every day. I do all my numbers first, and I, this is my nutrition score, which worked great for me. Was I added up calories plus carbs plus fat plus sweet calories, and I called that my nutrition score. And why it kind of worked for me because sweet, if you have sweets with carbs and fat, so I did the calories in that, and then I had to count the carbs and fat, and then I had to have the sweet calories t- again. So I added that up three times, kind of not. It's all different numbers, but. uh,
0: It was like your own formula you came up with that you, like if you ate more, you know, what you were calling sweet calories, that would raise the score for the day, but not in a good way.
1: Yeah, I'm talking about desserts, not what you, the sugar you have in food. that's what I figured. But I did that for 10 years.
0: So it's like you were doing Weight Watchers points, but they were Martin points. Yeah. You know, because like Weight Watchers has all these calculations they put in the calculate their point value. And it's not just the calories. I
1: did Weight Watchers two or three times.
0: Well, then you did, did Martin points. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know, maybe I'll call it that. But what I was able to do with that, because I was going to lose weight permanently. You know, when I fell off the scale, I said, I'm losing weight permanently this time. So I weighed 234.6. What I tried to do, Jen, is I tried to eat as much as I possibly could because I knew exactly what my maintenance level was. So I ate just underneath that on average, and it took me 10 years to do it, but I could care less. I was just going down every time, and I had a three-pound line-in-the-sand weight where every time I hit a new low, my line-in-the-sand went down to where I was, it was a moving three-pound pounds as I lost weight. So I protected my, my losses, you know, and limited my gains. It's kind of like the opposite of the stock market. Right. So anyway, so that, that's what I did. And it took me a long time. I did not care because I was, I got to change my habits and I learned how to eat. I had terrible eating behavior and everything that had to do with eating. I'd eat fast. I wouldn't eat sitting all the time, just little stuff like that. I was able to correct all that stuff by taking so long because I use tiny habits to correct every one of those things.
0: I love that. And my hunch is with your formula, the calories plus the carbs, plus the fat, plus the sweet calories, I bet if you you know, went to where you started and then where you ended up, I bet you really got rid of a lot of ultra-processed foods and started eating more real foods and higher quality foods. Would you say that's true?
1: That's absolutely true. And, and what I did is, uh, you know, the stomach doesn't know what time it is. So I, I created this habit, and I like raw vegetables for some reason. My first meal of the day, and I really kind of an intermittent faster because I never ate breakfast. So my first meal of the day would be a vegetable bowl. I put carrots and celery and peppers or whatever was laying around, either cooked or uncooked. And that was my first meal of the day.
0: Promo code IF Stories 10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's BIOPtimizers.com slash IF Stories. Promo code IF Stories 10. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, responsibly sourced proteins, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that fit in beautifully to my cleanish lifestyle and the food is totally window-worthy. Tonight, we're having barbecue sweet potato tacos with cabbage and carrot slaw, black beans, corn, and cheesy tortillas and they come with Green Chef's chimichurri sauce When would you normally eat that? Was it like lunchtime?
1: No, uh, You know, it's like sometime between 1030, probably at the beginning of the time. That's about when I had first ate. And it turned out to be like 12 o'clock later on. So I was doing intermittent fasting. I, I didn't know it. And I'll tell you something else. You can out eat intermittent fasting if you put your... Oh, you can. Which I did. And so I, I really had to watch that. I really had to not... You know, I'm talking about now because I wasn't doing it then, but I I still have to watch that because I have a pretty good appetite. I don't know it till I start eating, but once I start eating, I don't mind eating.
0: Yeah, for me, it's it's so much comes down to food quality and when I'm satisfied or not. I just did a 60-day whole food-ish. I say ish because everything wasn't 100% whole food. That's really hard. But I did a whole food-ish plant-based experiment for 60 days and the more vegetables I ate, the more satisfied I was. Like I felt so good. That's awesome. I crave vegetables now. Me too. Crave them. And it almost like like reset like what, what I'm eating and you know I've now reintroduced, you know, everything I had pulled out. I think I've discovered dairy is inflammatory for me, which is a shock. I was not expecting that. So I think I might have to not eat cheese. I don't know. I was having this weird shoulder pain that I, I thought I injured myself that went away completely during those 60 days. And as soon as I had a dairy back, it, went, it came back. So I'm like, okay. So I'm experimenting with that. But my, my point is that you really do, like you can eat so differently when you are filling up on the vegetables that are delicious.
1: Yeah, you absolutely can. You fill your stomach up. It doesn't have many calories or, you know, calories, shmowries, you know, whatever you want want to call it. But it it kind of fills you up. So you're not as hungry when you eat your big meal or two of the day.
0: Right. But you can if you're eating, you know, on the flip side of that, for me, like an equal number of calories of like tortilla chips, fried tortilla chips versus whole grain, something that, that I made myself the tortilla chips do not even make a dent. Like I'm still hungry. I could just keep eating and eating and eating. Whereas if I'm eating, you know, a whole grain pita that I made from scratch myself and and with hummus and sauerkraut on top, I am full and satisfied. So, you know, I'm still learning this many years in that it makes a huge difference what I'm eating. Like I can really overeat in an eating window if I'm eating a lot of ultra processed foods.
1: Yeah, you made me think of something by saying tortillas. I guess you did the low carb and low fat thing like I did on and off for however many years. Oh,
0: yeah, you you would go back and forth. It's funny, though, I never did low fat again since the 90s. I did low fat in the 90s, lost a ton of weight on it, worked really well for my body. Then I quit doing it. And I never did it again.
1: Did you ever eat the Doritos that were made of Elestra?
0: I didn't, because I heard they gave you digestive upset.
1: Oh, yeah. I did that for probably a year year or two. I ate it before I had dinner. The reason I'm saying this is because my digestive tract was a mess, obviously, from that. When I started doing intermittent fasting, I know we're going to get to the non-scale victories, but it made my GI tract, like, brand new.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: From all the years that I was eating Doritos and no telling what else.
0: Yeah. I just ate the regular Doritos, but... (laughs) Now, I kept circling back to low carb all the time. Once I got hooked into the low carb idea, and it might have been, I think I was like, I would read Atkins. Back then we had Atkins. We had Sugar Busters. Do you remember Sugar Busters? He was from Alabama, right?
1: I don't really know. I I don't know the answer to that question, but I remember seeing
0: Maybe Louisiana. He was a doctor from somewhere in.
1: It was a blue book, I think.
0: I think so. Yep. Sugar Busters, Atkins. And then I got in the Suzanne Summers world. She had a bunch of books where it was like you kept your food separate. You could eat a high carb meal with low fat, or you could eat a high fat meal with low carb, or whatever. You had to keep it separated.
1: But just one of the macros, not both of the macros.
0: Yes. Yes. And so I would always end up with the lower carb side of that. But then that never worked for me, right?
1: you seem, you seem never like ever it. sad from listening to all your podcasts that you...
0: I wanted it to... I really wanted low-carb to work for me, and it never did. And and funny, if it, think about how much dairy I ate now, realizing dairy might be inflammatory for my body in a surprising way. That could have something to do with it anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of delicious things to eat that are not dairy, so I'm trying to figure this out, but...
1: Yeah, I like that Zoe thing that y'all are doing stuff. I'm kind of interested in doing that. And also a continuous glucometer. They're not going to give me one, but I guess I got to go out and buy one. I'm
0: so excited. One of the companies that has CGMs, reached out to me out of the blue and wanted to sponsor my podcast. And I am like, please. Yes, I'm so excited. It's like the universe making it happen. So I'm going to get one. And I'm, I mean, by the time this episode comes out, maybe I'll be reading an ad for them. But it's one of the companies that allows you to get it's not Zoe. I love Zoe. Zoe's a lot more comprehensive than just your blood sugar. But I'm really excited because really, I think everyone should be able to get a CGM with no hassle. My dad has type 2 diabetes, Uh and he had to like practically beg his doctor to get one. He's had type 2 diabetes for a long time, and he could not easily get it.
1: I have diabetes all through both sides of my family, so I'm a little paranoid of getting it because I watched my mother get her, her fingers chopped off in her old age, which was horrible to watch. I asked my doctor if I could get a what's A1C, you know, an A1C test. And my blood sugar was like 99 or something, my fasting blood sugar. He said that was in the normal range by one point or something like that. So no problem, whatever. I finally, begrudgingly, he let me do an A1C and it turned out to be 5.2, which he said is perfect. But after listening to all the podcasts, that isn't perfect. That's like within the normal range, maybe. So
0: Right. Well, he's used to seeing like crazy high numbers, I bet you. But That's really, really frustrating that he didn't want to run an A1C. I mean, that's like, you should totally be able to get that anytime.
1: Right. I had to talk him into it. He eventually did it. After listening to podcasts and stuff, I knew that was something I needed to do since it ran in my family.
0: Well, the fact that my dad, who's type one diabetic for a long time, had to push to get it is crazy. And when I was there to see them over the holidays, he was showing me, I had mine, I was doing Zoe again at that time. So I was showing him my readings. He was showing me his readings. We were comparing readings and he was like pretty impressed with my, my blood sugar control, which is exciting to see. But he has brought his A1C down significantly in the short time that he's had a CGM. People need this. We need to change the laws, whatever is keeping people from being able to get them. I know the company he's going to be sponsoring me doesn't want laws changed. They like to be able to provide it, but we should all be able to just go to CVS and buy one.
1: Yeah, it's so frustrating. I mean, I'm a, I am got it on both sides of my family and I was heavy on my life, and, you know, I'm real interested now and I'm watching it carefully, but why wouldn't a doctor give somebody like me that's trying to be healthy and has that in their family? Why wouldn't they- you know, give it to you. I don't know,
0: one hundred percent. Or we should just be able to get it. I understand. You know, maybe not getting it as through your healthcare provider, like th- covered by insurance, but I should be able to go buy one on the free market and just have it.
1: Maybe that'll happen soon. I hope so.
0: I hope so. So it took you ten years to lose the weight that you wanted to lose. I
1: averaged about four pounds a year, and I was perfectly happy with that. I didn't know it was going to take me that long, but I just knew I was going to start going down. I am going to protect all my losses, and that was that.
0: And then you found intermittent fasting. When was that, that you found Fast Feast Repeat?
1: December 20th, 2020, right before COVID.
0: Or right after COVID.
1: Right. Was that after? Or f-
0: 19. If you found it before I must COVID. Have been it was
1: 19. 20-
0: well, it didn't no, come out I've been until doing
1: 2020. It, I've been doing it two years. So I can't remember.
0: It came out in, if it was December, then it was 2020. Because the book Fast Feast Repeat came out in June of 2020. So you must have found it in December of 2020
1: you know, I'm rereading it now. I got through half of it, you know, and uh, it was so helpful. I read it one time and then I read it again. And it's like, it might, you know, it's much better to read it. And anybody that has it should read it a second time if they're doing intermittent fasting. Cause it the options show up again that you forgot that were options.
0: I really, I'm glad you said that because that's really how, what I intended. And I can remember back when I would be, you know, trying a plan or, or, Anything, you know, you read it, even like the obesity code. Like when I read the obesity code the first time, you know, I was like mind blown. Then when I read it the second time, I understood things so much better and differently. Right. And the same with, with fast, feast, repeat. You know, when you read it before you start or when you're early, you don't have the schema in your brain to understand everything that you're reading until you've lived it for a while. Once you've lived it for a while, then you read it and you're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, now I get that. So everybody who's listening, that would be a great thing to do or get the audiobook and listen to it.
1: Yeah. Everybody needs to educate themselves more on intermittent fasting. It seems so simple, but there's stuff to know about it that you can learn.
0: And the more you learn, the more you will never quit.
1: Right. It's so interesting to me on the shows, how, People, since I've listened to every one of the intermittent fasting stories, people are sincerely and genuinely excited about the lifestyle. Now, I don't know how many people start, I'm real interested, maybe you know something about it, but how many people start doing intermittent fasting and then quit?
0: It's more than I thought. You know, I'm, I'm going to say this right now because everybody who's listening, you might be one of the people, one of you that's listening, you quit and then you're like having a hard time getting back started. I'm working on a new book right now that's going to come out the end of 2023 and it's designed to help people start and not quit or if they did quit start again and not quit again <laughs> right because I realized that actually starting and quitting is a bigger problem than I thought I shouldn't really feel surprised about it because that happened to me you know I started hearing about intermittent fasting 2009 to 2014 I dabbled in it and it wasn't until 2014 when I started and never quit but I like to think that the reason I quit is because I didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. As soon as I understood it, I would never quit. So I don't understand just based on what I know about how good it is for us. I can't imagine quitting.
1: I can't. I'm never going to quit. I mean, you know, my doctor might tell me, I decide I'm going to live to 100, even though my dad died at 54, because I figure it's easier to decide you are gonna live to 100. You can be disappointed and die at 89 or 79. I don't care, but I'm going to live like I'm, I'm going to live, you know, to 100. That's kind of what I've been doing.
0: But when you really understand what it's doing in your body. You don't want to give that up. Mm-hmm. So like, like, like a lot of times people will quit because they, they get sucked back into their creamy coffee, for example. Yeah, like what's the deal this, with
1: that? I mean, well,
0: it's, I really think it is some of us have not developed coping mechanisms for dealing with our stress. Mm-hmm. I said some of us because I'm including myself in there because we tend to gravitate towards something when we, we're stressed maybe for me, it's like, I'll just, you know, binge Grey's Anatomy, right? I'll just sit and watch television mindlessly. Maybe for somebody else, though, it's they need a cup of creamy coffee because it soothes their brain. Mm -hmm. And so when when we're having those struggles of needing to soothe our emotions, everyone just finds their own thing. And if your thing is, it's got to be that creamy coffee, find a new thing. Mm -hmm. Because that's not helping your body.
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't like giving up coffee you know i i poured like a bunch of half and half in mine but i didn't like it for a week or two but you know now i prefer coffee it's not worth not doing intermittent fasting because of putting something in your coffee that blows my mind sometimes
0: i've heard that so many times and people will say that it's like that slippery slope like they were flat fasting clean they were doing great and then for whatever reason, they just got sucked back into the creamy coffee. And then suddenly before they knew it, they were now just eating all the time again. Because, I mean, you, you do get back on that blood sugar roller coaster where you are now hangry again. You know, and you have to rebuild your fasting muscles. So, you know, I'm sure there are people listening right now who are like, yeah, that's me. How do I start? Well, you just have to do it. That's where the discipline comes in, and I like to call it talking to your toddler brain, because uh-huh. your toddler brain's the one who wants that coffee or whatever it is, or that snack at whatever time.
1: Are you familiar with Susan Pierce Thompson, who wrote Brightline Eating? I about am. Yeah, I haven't
0: read her book, but I'm familiar with it.
1: Okay, well, she's. It's making me think about the book you're writing. She makes an, a case, which you can't prove this, but one out of a thousand people who go on diets. Are successful and keep it off for ten years. That's one out of a thousand people that died. I would imagine with intermittent fasting, it's much, much better than that. It isn't one in a thousand.
0: Oh yeah, I think that when people begin, because when you think of traditional diets as opposed to intermittent fasting, it, your body it's unsustainable to you know really restrict your eating that much. Whereas intermittent fasting has all those metabolic benefits built into it that make it easier.
1: Right, exactly. I would think in your book, when you kind of, if you ever figure out how many people quit or how many people are doing it, it's. I can't imagine that. I bet you at least ten percent of the people keep doing it, maybe more. I
0: think more than that. I think it's more than ten percent keep doing it. But I have a section in there where I'm talking about why do people quit. You know, all the times I've heard people talk about why they quit, and another reason is, you know, maybe they'll start questioning it, or it's not fast enough, or. Their friend is doing this plan and losing weight like crazy. Uh And they're like, well, I want to lose weight like crazy, like my friend. And then they do that plan. And before they know it, they're not fasting anymore.
1: Yeah. If it was 10% and one out of a thousand people who died fail, that's like 10,000% higher than one-tenth of 1%.
0: That would make a very interesting study to figure out the comparison of how many people who start intermittent fasting reach weight maintenance and they're able to stay. You're right. I've seen those same statistics. You know, Susan from Brightline Eating, and I have seen the same statistics that they're out there. Like very few people are able to maintain a weight loss of more than 10%. I have this at the beginning of fast, feast, repeat, I think, and then keep it off long term. So you and I, we've done it and it's like we're anomalies. Yeah.
1: Where do you go back to after you do intermittent fasting? There's nothing really to go back to that.
0: No, you just keep doing it.
1: Just keep doing it. Right.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. So you found intermittent fasting at the end of 2020. Mm-hmm. And what happened with your weight after you started intermittent fasting? When and, and I say that because you were kind of doing it anyway by accident. But I bet you weren't fasting clean.
1: Not at all. I, I didn't learn about that until I read your book. Right. You know, I kind of ripped the Band-Aid off when I did it because I was used to kind of doing it anyway. You know, for half a day, it wasn't anything to push it up to 2 o'clock. I think in three days, I was at 5 o'clock eating my one meal a day at night. And I kind of never looked back. I was hungry as hell for a week or two, you know, and I'd overeat at night. But after I did that for a while, I I can't remember how long it took me to straighten out my being metabolically healthy. But I would say, you know, the 28 days is good. But I think I, I did it like in maybe two or three weeks rather than four weeks. I was beginning to get real comfortable with it where I was beginning not to think about it. But the 28 days is a great thing for people to realize so they don't jump off the bandwagon too fast. That's a real issue, isn't it?
0: Yes. And that is something when I talk to people out in the wild, just people like I might be at the store. Like I can remember one time I was at a consignment store in Augusta and talking to the people. We went in there every now and then looking for things. We were furnishing our house in Augusta at that time. And we like to buy good quality, you know, secondhand things, better than new stuff. But we were in there talking to the owner and she's like, Oh, it's after we'd been back. She's like, I tried your thing. I tried your fasting and it didn't work. I'm like, all right, let's talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) And well, she gave it a week before she decided it didn't work. And she wasn't fasting clean. Two things.
1: I had somebody in my Facebook group call me uh, yesterday. She she, uh, got my Facebook group and she'd been doing it two days. She said, I'm going to have to quit. This isn't working. Right. I talked to her on the phone and tried to talk her off the cliff.
0: We get the unreasonable expectations. We're right there at the grocery store line. Before Christmas of this year, it was right before Christmas, so it's December, there was some magazine at the checkout that said, lose 35 pounds by New Year's Day. I'm like, it's already already December. I mean, there's <laughs> <laughs> unless you're chopping off body parts, you're not going to lose 35 pounds by people, New people Year's not Day. People don't listen
1: to that anymore, I hope. you know? Well,
0: but... It primes your brain for thinking you're going to have fast results, right? You know, because we've all done a diet and we got on the scale on the first week we lost 10 pounds and we're like, this is working. Well, we don't realize that biologically you cannot lose 10 pounds of fat that quickly. (laughs) The body doesn't burn fat that quickly. Even if you're doing completely no eating at all, fat and I would not recommend that, of course, but we're losing, you know, fluid and whatever, but Oh, we've just got those. We're primed with those unrealistic expectations.
1: Yeah, it's kind of sad, but maybe things will change.
0: Well, I hope so. And and that's the beauty of intermittent fasting is that it gives you that structure of the eating window. And then within the eating window, after you are adapted to it, that first twenty eight days, when you get adapted to intermittent fasting, and you know even it takes you a little longer than the twenty eight days, but now you've built the habit. I'm sure you've read Atomic Habits. Oh, yeah, um,
1: yeah, I have. And I,
0: multiple times, I would bet. I
1: subscribe to the newsletter or whatever. He right. Out, which I, I love that stuff. I,
0: really I do. could tell. I knew, I knew you were an Atomic <laughs> Habits guy. Oh, yeah. But, you know, once you build the habit, it gets so much easier. And then that's when you can start, you know, tweak it till it's easy. Tweak it for weight loss. Right. Little things like, and I'm not saying you got a diet in your eating window, but it's just as simple as maybe you'll be more satisfied with, a homemade whole wheat pita or even a store bought whole wheat pita than a handful of corn tortilla chips. It's just finding those foods that fill you up and make you satisfied. And then you're not going to overeat anymore. Because if I start my eating window with tortilla chips, I'm going to overeat and not even feel satisfied.
1: When I was doing my own plan and I was losing weight slowly and everything, it kind of worked out because I was able to change my habits. I worked on my eating behavior, which is it kind of works hand in hand with learning intermittent fasting because now I can do intermittent fasting and I also know how to eat. I'm wondering if I did intermittent fasting and hadn't taught myself how to eat, I might could have vowed eaten intermittent fasting.
0: Well, that's how I started. When I started intermittent fasting, I was, I didn't I had been doing keto for the whole summer. You've heard me say this, I'm sure. And then I switched to intermittent fasting, reintroduced carbs, but finally started losing weight. And I was just, you know, I had the eating habits of like a college freshman boy. Yeah. I mean, I <laughs> that's, ate all the junk. Scary. Yeah. Well, I drove through the drive throughs and all I did was have the boundary of a five hour eating window. And my body lost about a pound a week. But as I was getting to the point that I wanted to get to my goal so I could go shopping for the new season, I, cleaned up what I was eating. I still wasn't counting calories. I wasn't counting fat. I wasn't counting carbs. I just ate real food. I prioritized real food. And I started to lose weight more quickly. And I didn't feel restricted. And see, that's the thing. Real food, your body knows what to do with. It's going to fill you up and make your body satisfied. You're not going to feel restricted or like you're dieting. And and you don't want to feel like that.
1: And you can only eat so much steak. I mean, these whole foods, it's the processed foods that You know, it really dawned on me, obviously, in the last 10 years that are just, they don't do you any good whatsoever.
0: And they're like, I literally could eat an entire giant bag of tortilla chips, and I might feel sick, but I'm not going to feel satisfied. And then I'm going to want to eat something else.
1: You're going to need some nutrition. You know, That's the greatest thing about intermittent fasting. You crave nutrition rather than the bad stuff. But, you know, you still can have a little bad stuff. It isn't going to kill you, but you just don't want a lot
0: of it. Well, that's my, my what I call cleanish, right? I'm cleanish because I want to feel good and you know, that's the whole thing like right now that I'm I'm dealing with with the dairy, like the aha moment that oh my gosh, dairy is the reason that my shoulder hurts and because it's inflammatory for me. So if I have to stop eating dairy to feel good, am I on a diet? No. <laughs> No, I mean, You know, I wouldn't hit my head with a hammer because that would feel bad. I would stop hitting my head with a hammer. So if dairy is like hitting my shoulder with a hammer, I don't want to eat that. Although cheese is delicious and I love ice cream. But <laughs>
1: <laughs> we got to feel good. That's what we're after, especially when you're 71 years old.
0: Well, exactly. And I will be 71, but probably in the blink of an eye, it happens fast, doesn't it?
1: It does happen fast. I want to do a shout out to my new grandson. I've had my first grandchild who's three months old. He'll be set, I guess, four or five months when this comes out. But uh, it's such a joy having a grandchild at 71 years old. All my friends have had two, three or four or five, and it's taken me this long to get it, but it's it's worth living. That's why these old people have to start doing this intermittent fasting and not being scared of it.
0: I agree with you. I would love to talk to my dad and him to say, oh, well, I'm going to do fast intermittent fasting now. I would love that. It would make me really happy. He would feel so good. He just doesn't doesn't know it. It's hard to to change us old folks. It really is. Well, I know, I know. And there's been so much confusing dietary advice over the years, right? You don't even know what what to believe. So how much more weight did you lose after you started intermittent fasting?
1: Oh, okay. I lost uh, 10 pounds. Not meaning to. I didn't know I was because – my first goal was to get to Wonderland from 234.6, which I hit 199, and then I said, yeah, I can lose a little bit more, and I got down to about 195, and I've, and I've maintained that for two or three years before I ran into intermittent fasting, and so then I started doing that. I learned how to eat and everything, obviously, for my own plan, but then I, pretty fast, I, I lost about 10 pounds, and I felt great and had all these health benefits from it. I was just feeling really good. And I, I wasn't expecting to lose the 10 pounds. I was really doing it for health and maintenance. But my, obviously, I love being the 10 pounds less. I feel, I feel right. much better than weighing the, having those other 10 pounds. But I'm, I'm kind of a perfect size for me right now. I'll tell you a funny story. My wife, I've been married to for 49 years in about a week. After I'd lost the 10 pounds, uh, she told me when we when, you know we were in bed and she said, Martin, you have ribs.
0: <laughs> That's so funny. And
1: she said, you need, to eat, you need to eat a little bit more. See, I mean, I've been married to him for 49 years. It's kind of sad she's tell me I have ribs. But I didn't know whether to take it, it as a compliment or something else. Wasn't sure. That's funny. Well,
0: I'm married to a very, very, very lanky, lean person. So <laughs> he's always been very bony. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I love that story. So you mentioned health benefits. What have you seen, you know specifically for your health benefits?
1: Okay, I'm, I made a list of them. There's so many. Bear with me here a minute.
0: I love that there's so many. you had to write them down.
1: I really did. One of the best ones is that my blood pressure, which I've had high blood pressure that's been controlled by medication since I was 35. So that was fine, but I had I had to have the medication. after doing this for about three months, the doctor took me off two blood pressure medications. My blood pressure runs about 105 over 70. I take it every morning, and that's what it averages. It doesn't hardly ever get over 120, and it can be as low as 65 or 68 or something like that. So, Wow, and
0: you're not on any medications anymore? No,
1: no medications wow. anymore. Wow,
0: that's amazing. Isn't that amazing? Yes.
1: Another thing is I have something called AFib. I've had it for a number of years too. I've had that probably for 20 years. And it hadn't been much of a problem. I'd get an episode once or twice or three or four times a year. And then I might go a year and just have one. Before I did the intermittent fasting, I'd had a year where I had four or five of them, which was a lot for me. And so the first 18 months of intermittent fasting, I had zero AFib episodes. Wow! And then the doctor changed my medication a little bit on the blood pressure And then I had one just when he changed, he had me go off of it too fast. So, But anyway, until I changed the medication, I might have kept going for a while. I don't know. But that was pretty cool for me because it's no fun to have that.
0: This podcast is supported by FedEx.
2: or text Wondery Pod to 500, 500
1: I told you about my GI tract. It feels like it's been redone. It's really amazing. I've taken a medication for arthritis. I don't take that one anymore, and I still have arthritis. You're not going to get rid of arthritis, but I don't have near the pain. I was taking two Tylenol on the thing, and I'm doing good there. Obviously, I have a maintenance plan for life now, so that, that's a non-scale victory. Food freedom hunger and fullness corrected. I don't think about food. I have new clothes. I fit better in an airplane seat. I quit caffeine, sweeteners, diet drinks, half and half. And I, it just gave me the control when I was like going after health and whole foods and feeling good. And I started doing all these other things that I hadn't been able to do in my life and just kind of happened naturally. I just decided I was going to do it.
0: That's the best part when it happens naturally, because that's what happened for me. The better I ate, the better I felt, the better I felt, the better I ate. It like snowballed.
1: Right, right. It's just amazing what happened to me.
0: Yeah, it really, really is. And that's again... Anybody who's listening, if you're someone who quit and you want it back, you can get it back. You know, we just stop stopping. (laughs) Figure out why you're stopping. Like, figure out what is it that makes you quit.
1: When's your book coming out again?
0: Well, publishing moves really slow. (laughs) And so I have to have it by the time this episode comes out, it will already be submitted. I have to have it submitted by February 15th. And so this episode comes out February 28th. And so we're targeting end of December of 2023, so it'll be out then. And But I was talking to my editor when I was seeing how fast I had to write the book, and she was like, well, it's hard to get paper. I was like, what?
1: you <laughs> Up about Paris or something like that?
0: The publishing industry, all pa- the pandemic really and supply chain issues really affected industries in ways we weren't expecting. But they, they had just had a meeting about the cost of paper and why paper was so Anyway, so if, if you start buying books and the paper gets worse and worse, it's because the cost of paper has apparently gone up. But we're shooting for end of December because that's the time of the year when people start thinking about you know, getting back started. And, and really, the, the best time to start is the day, the day you hear this.
1: Yeah, today. absolutely. Do it right now. There's no reason to wait till tomorrow even. Just do it. Well,
0: before. somebody in the community yesterday, she was like, I'm back, you know, because we're recording this. It's early January. You know, a lot of people are restarting for the new year, but somebody says, come like, back. I'm ready to get back into this. I did great. And then I stopped. A lot of people quit during the pandemic because of the stress they fell by the wayside because they were at home and they were stressed out. But, you know, finding her way back to it, she's like, I'm going to start on Monday. Mm -hmm. And it was Monday when she was saying that. And the next Monday was like seven days away. I'm like, no, 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 you are not starting in seven days. You're starting right this minute. She's like, well, okay, I will. I'm like, great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I noticed a lot of people on intermittent fasting stories, they actually used the pandemic to start intermittent fasting and they were tickled to death too.
0: It's true. I I think a lot of people, one or the other, if you had been doing something healthy, maybe you fell apart because, (laughs) or if you had not been doing something healthy, you're like, now's my time. You know, we all had our different ways of feeling in control or coping and whatever that was, you know, (laughs) that's when I bought a really expensive mixer and started making (laughs) lots of baked goods. Yeah. (laughs) It's a great mixer. (laughs) But yeah, you know, we, we do want to just stop stopping. That's where the magic is. Uh Uh-huh. But I, I do really think a lot of people stop because it's not fast enough. It's not. And a lot of people, their friends started a new plan. Like there's this one that a lot of people are doing around the South. I know maybe everywhere where you have like coaches and you pay them and you drink and eat these products, whatever. And they initially lose weight really, really fast. And so people want that when they see their friend doing it.
1: It's not sustainable when it's like the prepackaged. It's not. Stuff. It's just you aren't, you aren't going to live that way the rest of your life.
0: It's not sustainable. And then, if you have fast, feast, repeat, you read the introduction where I talk about why diets fail and I talk about the Minnesota starvation experiment and I talk about the biggest loser study. Those are all the scientific reasons why these plans where you're having frequent, you know, fuelings or whatever you call them throughout the day, eating all the time. That's why it's not sustainable because your body can't do it.
1: Right, Exactly. And, you know, I'm writing a book also that I hope to have out in 2023. It might be 2025 after listening to you. I don't know how long it takes. but I'm Are you going
0: to self-publish or traditionally publish?
1: I got to figure that out after I write it, I think.
0: If I was self-publishing, I could have this book out by February 16th. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's But that's not what I'm doing. I have a traditional publisher, but that's how you get it in bookstores. I'd
1: love love to pick your brain sometime on, you know. (laughs) I
0: would be glad to help. Self-publishing is a great way to get your first book out there. That's what I did with Delight on Deny.
1: Right. I wrote two books with my brother in our industry about our business or whatever, and we self-published that. This, um, I heard the world's real different now, and there's, you got to have all different rounds of edits, and it go, it's just really difficult to...
0: No, it's not. It's actually easier than ever to publish a book self-published on Amazon through their Kindle Direct Publishing. Uh-huh. You could take any PDF and upload it to Kindle Direct Publishing in 20 minutes, and then it's for sale, and then they do print-on-demand. So you don't even have to have the book. You don't even see it. They do everything. They do print on demand. Somebody orders it, they print it, they send it to them.
1: Is that the way you'd suggest that I, what I do? Mm-hmm.
0: That's what I did for Delay Don't Deny. And I formatted it myself. It just, I mean, you know, it's just about reading how the margins need to be and stuff like that. I mean, it's, you know, you have to do something called a gutter for, so that it's like offset a little bit when it buying Anyway, I just, I was able to figure it out myself and you don't have to hire a company to do it. You can do it yourself. Okay. Well,
1: great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'll have to pick your brain a little more about that. I'll be
0: glad to help. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a teacher. I love to teach people how to do things. But self-publishing, I mean, self-publishing is great, but it's also why there's so many crappy books on Amazon because it's so easy.
1: Let me tell you that way off the subject, but uh, you made me think of something that you're a teacher, which I've heard about for a long time. But in fourth grade, I was going to say this when I was talking about my background a little bit. I had a teacher. Her name was Miss Barlow. And she put a scale in front of the uh, room and we all got on it and weighed and we wrote our weights on the bulletin board. Now that was maybe fine to do, but I really was never worried about my weight. And I was definitely heavy and I was tall. I saw it, somebody sent me a picture of this and it's like, her and me, we look like the parents, we're standing up. And then there's all these children in desk. And I I think, I, I know I weighed 125. I remember that in fourth wow. grade, which I guess is a lot. I don't think the kids broke 70 or 80 or something. So. You
0: were tall, it sounds like, right? You were tall.
1: I was taller than my teacher at that time. And it's and when I was in seventh grade, I was 6'2", and that's all I ever grew. That's that's as tall as I ever got. But I was tall younger, and I was big. But I looked like I was... Uh, married to my (laughs) teachers.
0: That's really funny. And it shows how much times have changed. But I remember that, you know, getting weighed at school. And I even when I was a teacher, I remember the kids getting weighed and like, People would say it out loud. And I mean, that's like...
1: In front of the kids, they would do it because I, I never thought about me being too fat or anything until I did well, that.
0: Well, it, it really, that, that can really, you know, damage the psyche of a lot of kids. We should not be doing that anymore, weighing people in front of other people and saying their weight out loud. Because that's how, you know, if you perceive, like, now imagine you're a girl who grew really fast and you might weigh... Maybe you weigh 125 pounds, but all of your other friends weigh 70. Yeah. I now know. you're like something's wrong with me, and now you're so young, and yeah. Now that there begins your whole struggle from the age of fourth grade. So yeah.
1: Anyway, so that was that was my story. I thought it was weird.
0: Yeah, you just grew really fast.
1: I never thought about it before, but I guess I'm the- glad
0: that it didn't give you like any kind of you know. Um, You weren't upset.
1: No, I I never really had any of that. You know, I was an athlete and had friends and I never really worried about it, but just frustrated I never could lose that weight.
0: Yeah, I think it's often that there's, these days I know there's pressure for boys and girls, but I feel like there might be slightly more pressure on the girls.
1: I think so too. My my sister had all kinds of problems, took diet pills when she was a teenager and whatever, and she ended up having bariatric surgery and, and got that done, but she really struggled her entire life with it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you said, you told me before we started recording, you've been working on a project that I thought was very cool and I wanted you to share it. You've been going through the show notes of the Intermittent Fasting Stories podcast and compiling the health benefits that people have reported.
1: Yeah, and I can read a few and, you know.
0: That's the part that's so astonishing. You know, when you're writing a book, like when I write Fast Feast Repeat or the, the one I'm working on now, you know, you have to be careful not to make claims. Like if you do intermittent fasting, your scars will go away, right? I mean. You know, you wouldn't want to say that, but then people have had that happen. So it can happen. Yeah,
1: obviously these are all anecdotal and they can't be proved, and you should check with your doctor and all that kind of stuff. But i will you've had actually 60 things on your intermittent fasting story, 60 different health benefits. You know, sometimes you have skin tags and sometimes it said better skin, but I kind of listed them separately if, if it was a specific condition. But I'll just start reading a few. Tell me when to quit. All right. Improved energy, and I did these in order by how many comments were the most to how many comments were the least. Perfect. Okay, so the first one was improved energy, then eliminated or reduced arthritis and or joint pain, a lot of that, better sleep, mental clarity, skin improved and or skin tags disappeared, blood pressure improvement and medications eliminated, food freedom, not having to think about food or restricting food choices were pre-diabetic and then returned back to normal. We're diabetic and got off all medications for diabetes. And those are in the top ten. Wow. Right there where the diabetes stuff is, which I thought was fabulous. Plantar fasciitis cured. I've heard that on lots of
0: many, many times. Yep.
1: All blood work returned to normal range. All infl- inflammation gone or much improved. Cholesterol returned back to normal. Depression, anxiety, much improved or gone. Acid reflux gone. Eczema gone. Migraines gone. Allergies gone. I'm on twenty. You want me to keep going?
0: Well, let's stop there because we're almost out of time. Okay. Okay. <laughs> We could keep going. That, is just but 20, I'll, but that
1: I'll send this to you to make sure. You I would can. love that. Okay. I,
0: would, I would love to have a copy of that. But that just goes to show another reason not to quit. Mm-hmm. Because weight loss is just a little piece of the puzzle. And I talk about in the new book about, you know, picturing an iceberg. Like picture an iceberg. We all know. We've seen the picture of the iceberg from the side where it's the tiny little part at the top that you can see. And then the big bulk of the iceberg is below the surface. Right. You're right. Well, think about intermittent fasting is the whole and what's happening in your body. It's the whole iceberg. Weight loss is just the part that you can see.
1: Oh, I like that. I like that. I have to use that.
0: Everything else is under the surface and there's so much under the surface. And so if we only focus on, yeah, but my weight didn't change really fast. I mean, I'm going to always think of you, Martin, and the fact that you were for 10 years losing four pounds a year on what you're prior to intermittent fasting. And, but you didn't quit.
1: No. What I figured out about that, though, is I actually did what everybody says is wrong. I ate less and moved more. And I was successful <laughs> at it.
0: Well, But you kept it up. You didn't stop. You had to right. never quit. And you also were kind of doing a little intermittent fasting by
1: accident. Yeah. Yeah. That, that kind of worked out. Probably helped for me.
0: Yeah. And also, I have a hunch you weren't crazy restricting. Like... If you had tried to lose weight more quickly with your eating even less, moving even more, that's when it starts to.
1: Yeah, I ate as much as I possibly could and still lose weight. So I knew what I was doing. I wasn't trying to lose it fast. And I think that's the way to lose it.
0: Well, I think if you're going to try eat less, move more as a long term strategy with the, you know, four pounds a year, you're not doing biggest loser study kind of restriction or the Minnesota starvation experiment level of restriction. You did it slow, 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 but it, stayed off. Yeah, yep. exactly. That's important to, to keep in mind. But, you know, you stuck with it. That's what I love. And, and you you didn't quit, even though it was slow.
1: No, I stopped stopping or whatever.
0: <laughs> well, that's it. Stop stopping and always picture everybody picture that giant iceberg and all the part underneath. And you can tweak stuff for weight loss. You can make changes to what you're eating. You can change your eating window length. You can switch things up. You can always tweak for weight loss, but you don't want to give up all that part below the surface, you know, what's helping.
1: Exactly. That's the part that people really don't get or understand. They're just thinking about it as a diet. And it's really just, it's a lifestyle and a a
0: health plan. Absolutely. So we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started?
1: Okay, well, let's see. I, I would start today. We talked about that. What's important to me is this it doesn't matter what age you are as long as you check with your doctor because part of my goal is to get older people to go ahead and start doing something like this. So I'm really kind of keyed in because that's a lot of my contemporaries and and they just don't want to change so. I think it can be any age if you check with your doctor. And if he says it can't be, uh, educate your doctor if he says no, because maybe it is.
0: I'll say, why? Why do you say no, doctor? <laughs> right, right. And if his reason is, well, I just don't think so, then that is not a reason.
1: <laughs> My doctor said, you know, he said it was fine. And I said, you know, it's in it good because of the autophagy and everything? He said, what's autophagy?
0: Right, yeah. <laughs> well, I went to a new doctor last week, finally around here that I found, and they were delighted that I do intermittent fasting and so excited. Uh-huh. And then they they found out I write books and stuff. Never extra excited. Yeah, I
1: bet, I bet. <laughs> Take your time and make it your own. A lot of these, a lot of people said, "I wish I knew it about it forty years ago." It sure would have been nice. In other words, do it now. And I'd add from the things I learned, have a recurring CEO meeting with yourself every morning. Spend a morning and give yourself a pep talk, make your plan for the day, get your head focused. I think it's better first thing in the morning. You can do it for 10, 15 minutes and it'll just get your head straight. So that worked really well for me and I'd, I'd recommend that to people to do it. You can quit scrolling for 10 minutes a day and add it on. Absolutely. Just
0: put it in your habit. Stack that habit in there is what you do every morning. Right. Yep. Yep.
1: And then I have make an irrevocable commitment to permanent weight loss unless you I don't know how you got committed and how it all happened for you. But if I hadn't used the word irrevocable commitment and I put some serious skin in the game, I put two things. I said, not only am I going to make the irrevocable commitment. I decided that I was not going to buy another car. I had a five-year-old car, and I don't really care about cars that much. They're just transportation to me. But I said, whenever I lose this weight, when I get to Wonderland, I'm going to buy a Mercedes Benz.
0: Oh, did you do it?
1: Yeah, I did it. I did it. But it, my car, you know, it took me 10 years, so it was a 15-year-old car. I, was, I, was, <laughs> I had Love some it. troubles with it, but I was not going to uh, – I wasn't going to do it. To You're me.
0: stubborn like me. That's why I never quit. Once I was able to lose the weight and I, I realized, you know, any other time I'd ever lost weight, I always quit doing the thing that I was doing to lose the weight because it was too hard. But with intermittent fasting, it wasn't too hard. So I didn't quit. That's the thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I've really enjoyed having you on today, Martin, and you're part of our community. Anybody who wants to know more about that, go to jenstevenscom slash community. And I look forward to seeing you there, Martin. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much, Jen.
0: at resonaterecordings.com Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast
2: Hey you it's Jason Bateman have you listened to Smartless